All right, good to see everybody here today and uh, getting ready to move into fall. I don't know if anybody's ready for it. Ready or not, here it comes next week, you know, official fall. And uh, how many how many put pumpkins out on your, anybody? Did you put any pumpkins or anything? Wow, that's that's serious right there. We we usually wait to the to the October, you know, to the cold gets in, but it's uh, amazing. Good to see everybody here today. Just thanks for coming. We had a Great time in the uh, at the beginning, um, nine o'clock at the growth path, and uh, just really had a great time of sharing. And looking forward to the next couple weeks there, but also looking forward to the next couple weeks what God has to say. And uh, you know, sometimes as the the, the preacher, you you uh, come to church and you kind of want to find out what God has to say, you know. And uh, even though you you have something to say, but you know that's the way I feel today. You know, I also believe that as we get ready to go into our fall season, having signups for new things. And um, God's getting ready to kind of take us to a different level in some areas. I really believe that we continue to want to have that that call and that cry, uh, you know, among us that we want to be a contagious church, and we want to be not 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 the best church in town, not the the biggest or anything, but a contagious church uh, that really loves God and lets people know about it, right? And I believe that a contagious church, you know, a contagious Christian really comes to church and they just want to give. They just, they just want to bless. How many believe that, amen, it's about it's not coming to church about taking, it's about giving? Amen. It's about being blessed so that we can bless others. It's about being filled up so that we can have an overflow to other people, amen, in our lives. How many believe that? How many believe that? I believe that God's taking us as a church in America from just coming to church, coming and hearing, to going and telling. Amen. Come on, to be activated in the call of God and the work of God and the things of the Lord that He has for your life. We're not just here wasting time sitting like at a bus stop waiting for Jesus to come back. Amen. We're, we're going to be busy about the Father's business. Amen. We're busy about what God's called us to do. And so uh, we're excited about that and excited about what all that God's doing. <clears throat> and uh, I really believe that our impact as people is not about just coming in the gathering of saints, but our impact is about the equipping of the saints. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? Doesn't it? In Ephesians, it says that it's about the equipping of the saints. Thank God we have the gathering of the people. I mean, that's great, this gathering on Sunday, but we're here to equip you so that you can do what God called you to do and gifted you to do. Amen. The ministry that God has for you so that you can come into all that God has for you. Amen. Anybody believe that? I believe that. Okay, a little slow start. Here we go. Amen. But just something that I really felt like God really wanted us to to begin to move into a little bit more and something that's been on my heart for a long, long time. In fact, several years ago, uh, we were uh, my wife and I went to Hawaii, and we spoke at a youth camp there and a church service and had a wonderful time. But while I was there, the Lord just uh, moved on me. I penned some things down on discipleship on being a disciple and and I really felt God stirring and we've shared it over the years and and I just felt the Lord say you've got to really get that together and let's let's talk about that because I feel that as a church this is where God is taking us in a new in a not in a new direction but just a good direction and and uh, how many know it's important to move forward Amen. Uh, you know, a lot of people, amen, uh, really aren't really going anywhere. They're going, you know, nowhere fast. But I believe God wants us to move forward. And, and really, I, I've just had this uh, kind of this message and this <clears throat> on my heart. And I really want to just share for the next few weeks on follow. Follow on being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Amen. 
So I want to share with you today, really, in the next few weeks, on follow, following Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is speaking with the disciples. Something comes up, and he begins to declare something very powerful about discipleship and being a disciple of Jesus. In Matthew 16, verse 24, and 26 through 26, he says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake, and one place says the gospel's sake, shall find it. For what will it profit a man? Or what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In verse 24, says Jesus says this about discipleship to his disciples. If any man will come after me, if anybody wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Probably one of the most powerful words that Jesus spoke, follow me. The, the, I mean, two words that absolutely changed and rocked the world starting with 12 people, follow me. One of the things about discipleship and being a disciple of Jesus is Jesus extends an invitation to everybody, to everybody to become his disciples. Not just to a select few, but to everybody. And we'll see this as the Gospels go on and you read the Gospels and study the life of Jesus. He extends an invitation to everybody to be his disciple. Amen. Many people think about discipleship that it's well, it's when you first get born again and you need to grow in the things of the Lord and someone takes you under their wing and they disciple you and you learn about certain things about the Bible. But really discipleship is more than that. It's a lifelong journey of relationships, number one with Jesus and with others. It is a lifelong, lasting relationship with Jesus and with others. That's what discipleship is. And really, the beginning of relationship with God is salvation. We know that. We know that the beginning of having a relationship with, with God Almighty is salvation. And when you're saved and you're born again and baptized in water, as the Bible teaches, you are separated, not just from your sins, you're separated unto God, unto Jesus. Jesus becomes a new man that you put on. You become His. He becomes becomes yours. There's ownership there, and there's relationship there, there's fellowship there. And so it's very important to understand is that you're dedicated to the Lord. You, you commit your life to the Lord. Not just, not just that year, not just that time, but your life, your complete life. The rest of your life is dedicated to the Lord. And then something amazing happens. The Bible says that God will fill you with His Spirit. In other words, you will be dedicated set apart, anointed for his service. That's what a disciple is. And discipleship begins at salvation. It's, it's really, that's when it happens. Many people believe, well, it's something separate. It's something for a unique few. It's, it's well, it's if you want to get serious about God, you become his disciple. I don't think so. The call for salvation is the call for discipleship. Amen. And you know, it's sad to admit, but 52 million Americans was polled, and it was found that 85% of them said that salvation did not alter their lifestyle. Think about that. It just it didn't change. And so I believe that many people want to be benefactors of a covenant, but they don't want to keep the conditions of a covenant. Many people want a product, but they don't like the process. They want the wonder of God, but they don't like His ways. They want the miracles, but they don't like the methods, maybe. And you'll see this. There's four types of people that follow Jesus. 
If you read in the Gospels, you'll find there's four types of people that follow Jesus. Number one, people that wanted the free meals. People that heard that he was giving out free lunch. He was doing a miracle. I mean, they're serving fish and chips and fish and bread. If you're English, fish and chips. Jesus is doing miracles and they followed him for the meals. And I know that because Jesus at one time turned around and he said, you're not here for anything else but the meal. You heard about the meal and you want a free lunch. There's people that follow Jesus because they wanted to see miracles. Show us a sign. Show us that you're son of God. Show us. I brought my friend to you. Heal his eyes. Heal his, aren't you glad Jesus did? Amen. But there's people that just followed him simply for the wonders. They just wanted to see the show. They just wanted to see the miracles. They're impressed with the supernatural. Jesus admitted that there was people that just wanted to see miracles. Then there's people that followed Jesus because he was popular. He was the hottest thing going. I mean, if you read the, the um, I believe it's in, in the book of John, it says that Jesus went into one village and he could barely get in the street because there was so many people following him he was popular Jesus was very popular how many how many know that he was very popular you remember that account in Mark 2 where there were so many people inside the house around the house guys couldn't get through so they put a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend down why because people were just flocking to hear this man he was controversial he was he was edgy I mean he was different he was new and they wanted to see it. They were impressed. And then the fourth type of people that followed Jesus was those that loved him. They loved him. These were the disciples. See, some people believe that it's just enough. All you have to do is believe in Jesus and really not be a disciple of Jesus. But I'm going to submit to you that believing in Jesus is only the beginning of salvation, not the fullness of it. Amen? It's the beginning where you're saved. It's not the fullness of what God has for you. And, and I believe that a lot of people say, well, I don't have to be a disciple. But you know something? The more that we make Christianity optional, the less it will have an impact in our lives. We have to understand that a call to salvation is a call to discipleship. When you were born again and baptized, you became a disciple of Jesus Christ. Somebody should have told you that you were to count the cost and you were to make up your mind that you were going to even die for Jesus if it came to that. And you became his follower. You became his, his servant. You became his and he became yours. It wasn't because he was just going to deliver you from drugs at that day. It wasn't because it was going to make you feel better about a broken relationship you went through. But you literally, you knew that you knew that you knew that Jesus was the son of God. He really came and died and that you're committing your complete life to him. To him, to follow him, to be his, and to be and have him be yours. So a call to salvation is a call to discipleship. That's what it is. And in fact, we see this, it's fellowship. I like to say that there the fellowship with Jesus is fellowship with Jesus. <laughs> That's not an English word, I just made it up. So fellowship is a fellowship. What, what do I mean by that? Well, well, you see that the, the fellowship that Jesus had with the disciples, he ate with them, he had communion with them, there was, there was a covenant with them. He said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, they are a part of me. Come on. And in fact, he said this to the multitudes of people. He said the thousands of people that were following that day. He said, if anybody eats my flesh and drinks my blood, but if anybody doesn't, they can't have part of me. They're not part of me. There's no fellowship with me. The Bible says that many people heard this, were offended, and left that day. Never followed him again. Oh, what? They, they thought, oh, the meals were great, but man, this guy, he's asking too much of me. I want to see some miracles, but I don't want anything to be required of me. 
I want to be associated with the most popular person in town right now. I want to be on the cutting edge of the, of the latest news, but I don't want to be involved in what he's asking me to do. Think about it. So salvation is discipleship. This is fellowship. He calls you to a loving and a lasting relationship. Yes, I'm still in the introduction of of, of, of discipleship. See, this is the reality of Christianity. This is what it's all about. I mean, this is the core of what Jesus was talking about. This was the core of his messages. The core of his messages weren't to make you a better person or to just heal your body. The core of his message was to be his, to follow him, to become his disciples. That was the, that was the whole core, and that is the core of Christianity. It's not to be associated with the denomination. It's not to be associated with the political party. It's not to stand on the side, come on, of some kind of rights and privileges in the earth. It's to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. This is the core of it, and this is the reality of Christianity. You know, Jesus just doesn't give us an invitation to follow him, but an invitation to be his disciple. He, doesn't just, he wasn't just giving the disciples an invitation to say, hey, be, you know, follow me. Just, just be one of the crowd. He was saying, I want you to be with me. I want you to be part of me. I want to be a part of you. I want to be a, have a covenant relationship with you. And so this is the message of follow. What is the message of follow? The message of follow is this. And I believe this is what God showed me to kind of really get into this. And that is follow, serve, and lead. That is really the message of following Jesus and discipleship. Follow, serve, and lead. And when we're following, we're walking with Jesus. That is following him and keeping his word. That's finishing his work. That's walking with Jesus every single day. I know that sounds like something you heard in Sunday school, but it's absolutely the truth. Serving. I mean, that's just what it's about. It's about serving. This is fellowship with other people. This is what God called us to one another with the body of Christ. It's fellowshipping with each other, loving and serving, growing together in the Lord. That's what serving is all about. Leading. This is about winning souls, folks. Winning souls. To, you know, getting people to convert to Jesus. L pointing people to Jesus like John the Baptist. It's all about winning souls. It's all about the harvest. Amen. How many believe that God's got something unique and special for you in mind? Amen. Let me tell you something. It has n it's nothing separate or individual from his call to reach the lost. Amen. has everything to do with doing what he wants you to do. And so preaching the gospel and training people and, and growing in your faith and teaching others and walking in the ministry that God has for you. Let's look at the invitation, follow me. Let's just look at that for a moment. Look at that invitation Jesus gives. He gives that invitation of following me. And see, you've got to understand this. A lot of people were around Jesus. As soon as they heard that there was the carpenter's son, Joseph's son, I mean, he wasn't doing carpentry anymore all of a sudden I mean the Holy Spirit came on him when he got baptized that was different I mean then he declares that he's the way the truth and the life I mean then there's a miracles that we've only heard about about the prophet Elijah and and all these prophets of old I mean it's amazing what's happening through this man and so Jesus gave them an invitation but let me just say this you know it wasn't unusual back in that day for Jesus to have followers. It wasn't unusual for Jesus to have disciples. Why? Because John the Baptist had disciples. The Pharisees had disciples. And back then, if you were a religious leader, or even have declared yourself to be a religious teacher or leader, you had followers. You had disciples. That was the thing. You were, became a religious teacher, and you became a religious leader, and the first thing you would do is gather people around you. That's why when people came to Jesus, they said, good teacher. 
or rabbi because he had disciples. He had people following him. So it's nothing unusual for Jesus to say, follow me and be my disciples. Nothing unusual about that. Think about it. In fact, many times the Pharisees came and said, well, what makes you better and your disciples better than our disciples? Many times the disciples of Jesus compared themselves to the disciples of the Pharisees. Jesus said, don't do that. How about the time that they saw people baptizing? They said, they're baptizing, but they're not part of us. Jesus said, leave them alone. They're part of me. There's 70 other disciples that Jesus had. Sent them out two by two, right? Sent them out two by two. 120 we find that Jesus had. So there was, there was nothing unusual about Jesus having disciples or followers. But there was something different about what Jesus did. He selected 12 of them. He picked 12 of them. He, he just, I mean, it was just, and the way he did it was just crazy. But, you know, Jesus gave this invitation and I just want to say this to you. Jesus gives you an invitation first. He invites you first. He reaches out to you first. He, he reaches out to us first. He gives us the invitation first. How many know we didn't give him an invitation to come in? I know when you're a little kid, you invited Jesus to come into your heart. But initially, no, it was Jesus inviting you. See, this is the power of the gospel that Jesus comes to you, to your world, to where you're at in your, in your sickness, in your disease, in your sin, and he invites you. He extends an invitation. You know, the Bible says that we're like orphans. He adopted us. How many believe that they've been adopted? Amen. They've been adopted by God. And you know something about when you adopt a baby? You know, the baby doesn't have a choice who's adopting them. Uh, that child doesn't have a choice. Well, I want this kind of mom and this kind of dad. They don't even know they're being adopted. They're not even aware of the fact of what's happening. They're so young. And you know, the Bible says that Jesus came when we didn't expect him to. Jesus came and we sometimes didn't even want him to. We were left alone. We were in sin. We were fatherless. And he came to adopt us. Amen. He reached out to us. He chose us. Is anybody in the room? He's the one that extends an invitation to us. He doesn't wait for us to come to be perfect and ask for him. He comes to us. He invites us. Amen. And so this extension comes to Jesus. And this is what's so powerful about you being a disciple of Jesus is you are to extend an invitation to others. You are not to wait till they go to church. You are not to wait till they get perfect. You are not to wait till they want to hear the gospel. You extend an invitation whether you love them or not, whether you want to or not, whether they deserve it or not, we extend. That's the power of the Gospels. Anybody listening? Amen. Jesus extends. That's so amazing to me. That's, that blows me away that Jesus would come up to somebody and he would just pick them and say, follow me. Follow me. And, and that's the way he does it. He just extends this invitation. He, he, you know, the Bible says, Jesus even said in John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. We don't choose Jesus. We don't say, well, I'll take that God and I'll do that and I'll do this. No, he reaches out to us. Our, our choice, as we call it, is a response to his reaching out to us. That's what makes grace so amazing is I did not deserve the invitation. Is anybody here? Maybe you thought you deserved it. Maybe you thought God owed it to you. I don't know about you, but I didn't, oh, God didn't owe me a thing. I didn't deserve it. He just came and reached out to me. Amen? I was supposed to preach at the door. I hope that's the right church. Everybody's kind of like, I don't know, but amen. 
give an invitation. So that's great. But the selection, the, the just, that, that blows me away, the selection of these people. He chose, chose 12, and all these people were following him. And, he, and, and, and you look at all the characteristics of the disciples and who they were, and they came from different walks of life. And, and, and look at the way he called one of them in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, uh, the one who wrote this book, and he talks about how he was chosen. The Bible says that Jesus passed, uh, was going through and to a city and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at uh, the receipt of customs. He was a tax collector and he took the taxes and he said this, follow me. I mean, it was not heavy, is it? I mean, he just looked at him and just said, follow me. And guess what he did? He didn't ask any questions. He didn't say, I'll pray about it. He said, give me a day or two. The Bible says he left everything and followed Jesus. That's so amazing. He left everything and followed Jesus. And the Bible says this is how he called also. He called Philip this way. He saw Philip and Philip, he, the Bible says he went and found Philip. He went and found him. He heard, he knew Philip because he knew his brother and he said, and he found Philip and he said, come and follow me. What an invitation. What an amazing thing. Now again, that wasn't a major, major deal because back then, if you were a religious leader or if you had, and if people thought you were a prophet and people thought you were a Pharisee who were, had the, you know, they had the, I mean, they knew everything about the law. People were like, okay, I'll follow you. But think about this decision that he made in the split-second decision to leave a good job, to leave, amen, the, the working for the Romans and, and collecting taxes and, and you, could, you could shave off a little and put some in your pocket and he's probably rich and he was probably, you know, living in luxury. Think about it. All of a sudden he just said, okay, I'll follow you. That's pretty cool. I think that's neat, but it was the selection. You know, we wouldn't choose half of the disciples that Jesus chose. Certainly wouldn't choose Judas. Certainly would, probably wouldn't choose Peter, a little too obnoxious for a, a little, uh, all of us. And we probably wouldn't choose Thomas. I mean, the guy's always questioning. So, you know, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't probably choose a lot of these guys, right? But how many know, if we, if we looked at our own life, we probably, if we were Jesus, we wouldn't choose us. But he chooses us. Calls us to discipleship. Calls us to be with him. And we're called and chosen. The Bible lets us know that over and over and over again. And not just generally. And not, I mean, not just randomly, I should say. Not just randomly. He just doesn't says, okay, well, anybody, you know. I mean, it's just like, it's open to everybody. It's, it's not just like he just says, okay, well, I don't want you and I do want you and, and maybe I'll take you soon, but you're not really ready right now. No, no, that's not how God chooses. He just says, whosoever is thirsty, let him drink. Whoever, amen, wants to, whoever believes on me. Look what he said in Matthew here. He said, whoever comes after me. So he's given invitation to whoever, whoever comes after me. Again, we wouldn't do this. We probably wouldn't do this. We would wait till they're people that we like and that they're rich and they're popular and they're famous and then we would invite them in. But how many know Jesus doesn't do that? He thinks a little different. He loves a little different than we do. Amen. And so he, he, we're called and we're chosen and it's just this, this, this awesome call. But let's get into this, the purpose of the following, the purpose of following Jesus, the purpose. I mean, when Jesus said, follow me, and these guys got up and they followed him and the crowd followed him and, and there had to be something that made the disciples stay with Jesus. There had to be something that, that when he chose the 12, they said, you know what, uh, you made a mistake, I don't want to be part of the 12, I'm out of here. They, they, they didn't do that. But what was it? What was the purpose of following? What is that? And let's get into this about discipleship. In Acts 11, verse 26, Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the Bible says that it came to pass that a whole year they, the, peop, the, the, the disciples assembled themselves with, it, with the church and they taught much people. 
And the disciples were called, for the first time, Christians. The first time in, in Antioch at that church, people started calling these people Christians. Now up to that point, they were believers, or they were just random, the, the disciples. And it was kind of vague. But then they said this, they put this label on them, and they said, these people are Christians. We thought that came, uh, you know, from, you know, third century. No, that came from here. What does that mean? A Christian means this, Christ follower. These are people who follow Jesus. These are people who we can recognize they're not the Pharisees' disciples. They're not John the Baptist's disciples. They're not the Sadducees' disciples. They're not disciples of the Romans. These people are disciples of Jesus. They are Christ followers. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be Christ followers. And they were first called Christians then because as the disciples gathered together, people started recognizing something, something very basic but very dynamic uh, from these people. All of a sudden, they said, these people follow Jesus. Even though Jesus had died. Listen, listen, Jesus had died. This isn't people that just said, oh, well, you're with him. Oh, okay, I see you're, you're with him now. No, Th these were people that were still following Jesus after he died. They were still adhering to every word that he taught, every miracle that he did. They, they were holding on to that. They were remembering that. They were teaching that. Not only that, but they reflected who Jesus was. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. They would say they were reflecting Jesus. You could say, wow, uh, I saw Jesus do that. I heard Jesus say that. And you're saying that. And you're doing that. You must be a Christ follower because you're following exactly what Jesus did. See what I'm saying? That's a Christ follower. And so what is, when you're a Christ follower or Jesus follower as they call it, Jesus becomes this. Jesus becomes your leader, he becomes your teacher, and he becomes your master. Think about it. That's what you're saying when you are a Christ follower. See, again, this, you're not just following the crowd, you're his disciples. I believe that there's too many people just following the crowd these days. I, I think there's too many people that jump on the bandwagon, you know, in Christianity. And, and you know something about Jesus that's very amazing? He had a way of weeding these people out. Oh, not the loving Jesus. Oh, yes, he did. But why? Because he wanted to make sure that you knew that you knew that you knew that you, what you were doing you, you knew what you were doing. You knew what you were getting into. He didn't want anybody just to follow him just to say they were following him. He wanted their heart into it. He tested their motives. He tested the, the disciples' loyalty over and over again. In fact, he taught in parables so that people would begin to ask questions. What does this mean? I want to know more. See, Jesus always was leading people a little bit further to find out if they were going to follow him for real or not. If you were going to stay with this thing. Are you just a crowd follower or are you a Christ follower? Jesus constantly did that. Amen. And I, I think that we can do that as well. And I think that that still process still happens. God still puts us to the test or he, he lets us hear hard sayings, things we don't like or we don't understand sometimes. Oh, well, you mean I have to do this? And you mean I can't do this anymore? And I can't do that anymore? What kind of business is this, God? I thought I could be who I was. No, no, no. You're a Christ follower now. Jesus is your leader. He's your teacher. He's your master. You know, when you get baptized in water, somebody needs to tell you before you come up that Jesus is going to have to be your leader now. Jesus is going to be your teacher now. He's going to be your master now. Right? Amen. That's what it means. And so, so if, if Jesus is your leader, that means you're right following him. You're the follower. You're not the leader. Aren't you glad that you're not leading anymore? Amen. Some of you are leading your life right off a cliff. 
Come on. I mean, you, you wrecked so many times you, and you just got tired of it. You said, God, I want you to lead now. I want you to take charge. I want you, I want to follow you. I want to walk with, come on, I want to walk behind you. I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I want you to lead. And this is what it means to, to be a follower when you say to follow me. This is what Jesus was saying. Come to this place. In other words, come to where, especially those who are calling you or speaking to you. Come here, please. This is what he's saying. Come here. Follow me. Come this way. Come to this place. Move in the direction of Jesus or something or somebody. That's what it means to follow somebody or something. Walk closer to. Get closer to them. And You know, how many know if you're across the room from a, fan, a friend and you're like, hey, come here for a second. I want to tell you something, right? That's what it means to follow. You're just, Jesus says, come here. Come here closer. Come here. Just walk a little closer to me. Come closer to the place where you're actually in step with me. This is what it means. It means to be in step. It means to come after somebody. It means that they're leading, that you're following, obviously. And it means you're taking the same journey. Isn't that good? I love that part. I love that really part of thinking that, you know what? As wherever he goes, I'll go. He's not going to lead me in a place of death. He's not going to lead me in a place of, of destruction. He's not going to lead me in a place of hopelessness because I'm following him. He's my leader. And Jesus Christ, amen, is, is at the helm. He's the one leading me. And the Bible says he's going to lead you and guide you. Amen. Right? He leads you into that place. That pastor, he leads you beside still waters. Amen. He's that great shepherd, amen, that we follow. But it means to be in step with him. It doesn't mean that you walk, you know, kind of like off in a distance as we see Peter doing later in his life, follow Jesus from afar because he was ashamed of Jesus. How many know you walk right in step with Jesus? I mean, he takes a right, you take a right. He takes a left, you take a left. You just walk right in step with him. And I love this because you know what you can do? How many remember doing this as a kid when your dad would walk in the snow or something and you'd put your foot, foot right with his footprint, right? And you'd walk right in there. And that's what it means to walk with Jesus. You're just putting your foot in where he has walked, where he's gone, amen. That's what it means to be a follower. He's leading you. You're, you're in step with him. You're on the same journey. I love that, amen. And so wherever he goes, I go. Wherever he goes, I go. That's what it means to follow somebody. Whatever he says, I say. Isn't this what Jesus did on earth? Didn't he say, whatever I hear my father saying, I say. Whatever I see my father doing, I do. Why? Because he was teaching us how to follow. He was showing us how to follow. He was showing us, amen, that you need the leader, amen. And he's going to be the leader, amen. He is a leader, and that you're going to be the follower. That's what it means to follow Jesus, amen. You follow in his steps, you follow his example, you follow his teachings. That's why it's important to follow the teachings of Jesus, because the more you follow the teachings of Jesus, the closer you walk with him. Now, that's just, that's just elementary. Now, the, the other thing, too, is if you have a teacher, if Jesus is your teacher, then that means you're a student, you're the learner. That's what it means to be a disciple. It literally means a pupil. You're a learner. You're, you're a student. So a learner is this, one that hears it, does it, and teaches it. That's what a learner is. A learner isn't somebody that just fills their, their head with knowledge, but it's somebody that, that says, okay, I've got to learn this so that I can do this, and then I'll be able to teach other people this. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You're a learner. 
You're always looking, as we talked about last week, get into the Word. You're in the Bible. You want to learn of who Jesus is. You want to find out how to have a good marriage. How am I supposed to be a great witness? I love my neighbors, but I want to lead them to the Lord. How do I do that? What does the Bible say about righteousness? What does the Bible say about law? What does the Bible say about politics? I want to know. Amen? You're leading and you're learning. And you're, Jesus is the great teacher. He, you know, again, when people came to Jesus, they said, good teacher. Teacher, they recognized that he had something to say that they didn't know about. They recognized that Jesus was, can I just tell you, Jesus is the guru of gurus. He is the teacher of teachers. He's, he is. He is the teacher. of. And the Bible said, Jesus said, I'm going to send my spirit and he's going to teach you. So the Spirit of God is in us, and He's teaching. That's what the, it means, a paraclete. He's the great teacher. He's teaching us, amen, about the Lord. He's teaching us what to do, what's right, what's wrong, what's black, what's white. Come on, He's teaching us. He's the great teacher. That's what it means, amen. And how many know if He's going to be the great teacher, He needs some good learners. And that's what he needs. He needs some good learners. He needs some good disciples. And, and you know something? When he's the teacher, he, uh, he's teaching, he's the one who gives the commands. He's the one who writes the lessons. He's the one who gives the instructions. I don't tell God what to do. I, I don't make up lessons about my own life, how to live. He's already given me them. He's already wrote them. Amen. He's already spoke them. I just need to learn them and live them out. See, I just need to be a great learner. Amen. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be the learner. Many people believe that Jesus is their life coach. He's just, he's like my life coach. But you know something? They don't realize that he's your life teacher and your life master. He's not just a life coach. He is your life master. I mean, that's what he is. He's a life teacher. Amen. You've got a lot of life coaches, as Paul said, but you've only got one life teacher. Amen. And so that's what he's talking about. He is your teacher. I mean, that's it. Again, other, I, I think that other religions and other cultures understand this better than we do. When somebody who is a guru, and they, I mean, they, are the, they have all this knowledge and all this. I just, I just uh, heard of a story of a, a guy in Siberia, in, in Russia, that there's a whole community of people, 3,000 people that have this community and everything. And he comes down, this guy comes down off this mountain once, once a month, and, and he speaks these words, few words, and everybody just, oh, the great, great guru. And, I mean, he's, he's, he has all this knowledge. And, and uh, you know, if you plant a seed, it will grow. <gasps> great knowledge wonderful knowledge tremendous teacher you know how many know they're they're missing the point they're missing the great teacher the greatest teacher is Jesus and he is the guru of gurus by the way and so again Jesus said this what did he say about take my yoke upon you he said one of the things he said is learn of me understand what this is all about understand who I am learn of me he's not afraid of that so we have a teacher and if you have a teacher you're, you're teachable you you can teach others that's what it's all about is learning and then he then he said this I, I really believe that Jesus when he calls us to follow him he becomes our master we we don't feel comfortable with that word so let me just say this if he's your master then you have to be his servant or he's your Lord let's say it that way you have to be his servant so what is that? A servant is one who does his will, does his bidding. They wait on him. You're serving him. You're waiting on him. You're submitted to his voice. So back in the day, not only did the teachers have pupils, and so they had disciples who were pupils. They were teaching them. But then there was people that actually were like kings. They were like masters. They were like lords. They actually had a bunch of servants. And all those servants, I mean, they were committed to them. They did exactly what they were told. Come on, they, they submitted to that person or under that person. They were under that person's lordship. 
Am I losing all Americans here? No, we're under the lordship of Jesus. He's our Lord. He's our master. Whatever he says, I will do it. Whatever he wants, it's going to get done. I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to serve him. Jesus said, I didn't come to this world to be waited on. I came to wait on others and serve others. He gave us the example. He gave us, amen, that example of what it looks like to be a servant. Amen. And so that's what we are. We're servants. We're doing His will. Jesus said, you are my friends. So it's not just this relationship where, you know, He's, he's this real dictator and we get beat if we don't do what He says. No, He says, you are my friends. But how many know just because Jesus calls you friends, you're still His servant? He said, you're not, I just don't call you servant. I, I consider this relationship that we have very close. This is a loving servant-Lord relationship. Amen. This is a good thing. This is a great thing. And so he becomes your Lord. You become his servant. Jesus is Lord. He's my Savior. He's my Master. In John 12, 26, Jesus said, If any man serve me, let him follow me. How many know you cannot serve God if you don't follow him? If you don't follow his teachings, you're not serving the Lord. And where I am, Jesus said, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him my father will honor. What does that mean? Wherever I am, my servant will be. What does that mean? That means when somebody like a king or a a lord of a house or manor walked around, he always had people following him. He always had people, amen, he came in a room, they came in a room. If he had a private conversation with one of the ambassadors of land, he had people in the room. They were servants. If he needed a pen, give me a pen. I need a paper. I need a paper. They were constantly with him. Wherever the master went, the servants went. Bed chambers everywhere. I mean, you know, you name it. He, they were there, right? They were there. And how many know that's the way the Lord wants us to be in that relationship? Wherever he's going, wherever, whatever he's doing, he wants us to be a part of it. He wants us there. He wants us in the same place as him, right? And that's what it means. And so he means to be a, a servant. That's what it really means. And so if you ask yourself if he's our teacher and our leader, our teacher and our master, and, and we're, the, we're the, the learner and we're the pupil, we're, we're just the servants. I mean, what is this all about? Have you ever asked yourself this question? I mean, where is Jesus leading us? Have you ever asked that question? Oh, y'all yeah, follow him, but okay, Lord, I just need to know, where are we going? Like, where is he leading us? When it says that Jesus wants them to follow them, well, where'd they go? I mean, follow you where? Wouldn't that be the first question you would ask if you were Matthew or Philip? Wouldn't you say, uh, okay, where? Like, you want me to leave right now? You mean out of state, out of country, around the world? Like, where, man? You know, at the store? Do you want, where do you want me to follow you? So where is Jesus leading? What is he teaching? What was, what was he teaching? And why are we serving Have you ever asked yourself that question? I've asked myself, okay, Lord, where are you leading? What are you teaching? Why am I serving? What is this all about? Here's the answer. And the answer is the reason he's going to be a leader, your teacher, and your master is so that you can be like him. So that you can be like him. This is what the discipleship is all about. In fact, Jesus even gives us this example in the sense that he's not just teaching you, but he's teaching you for a reason. He's not just leading you, but he's leading you for reason. Why? To be like him. He's the model. He's the ideal. He's the one that we're, we're modeling our lives after. He's the, he's the one that we're, we're, we're saying what he said. We're going where we, he went, right? So it's, it's about him leading us and him guiding us. It's about being like him. He's the ideal. He's the model. See, this is, the, this is the real point here, is this, if your end game isn't about being like him, then really he's just another good teacher, if your end game isn't you know, just about following a crowd, then it's just another religion. 
If that's your end game, if it's just about, oh, well, I'm just following the crowd, it's just a religion. It's not going to be relationship. See what I'm saying? But it's to be like Him. He's our model so that we can do what He did. See, that's the whole point. When you, had, when you had disciples and you were the great teacher, this is what made Jesus so different than the Pharisees. And this is what, this was what they, they frustrated them to no end, is that Jesus raised up his disciples to be like him and released, him, released them to do what he was doing. Now, the, the Pharisees didn't do that. The Pharisees wanted to keep everybody under them. They wanted to keep everybody subject to them. They wanted to be this Lord and this reigning, you know, having all this knowledge. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm going to pour in all the knowledge that I have, all the miracles I have, all the power I have is going to be yours so you can do exactly what I did in the earth. How many know that's a good, loving relationship? Amen. That's a healthy relationship. That's the kind of God we serve. He did it, amen, that we could to model for us and that we could be like him. And this is what it was all about. And some of the marks of discipleship are this. And you can just tell a disciple is, they said there was Christ followers. You can just tell what a disciple is. I mean, there's repentance, there's baptism, there's serving, there's, there's learning, and there's dying. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it goes for a disciple. And as a disciple of Jesus, these are some of the marks that we have, and this is why we're doing it. But we're not doing it just to, to, just to do it. We're not doing it just to make ourselves look good. We're doing it to model him. Amen. Amen, to be like him. And so just to how to walk with Jesus, let's go back to our text. Jesus said this, how do you walk with people? How are you, Jesus, how do you walk with me? And I believe he gave these requirements and these standards for the discipleship. He didn't just say, he didn't say, oh, well, just, uh, just do what I do and, 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 or, or, or just, just listen to my teachings and show up for lunch and, and then be there at the cross. And, and then, no, no, there was, there was a reason. And, and this is how he did it. And he said, I want you to do something. I want you to deny yourself. I want you to carry your cross. And I want you to follow me. And there's these three things that Jesus said that are so amazing. He said, I want you to come after, if anybody, come after me. If anybody's going to choose to come after me. You could follow other things, you could follow other people, but if you choose to follow me, I've got to be exclusive. Jesus is saying, I've got to be exclusive. I can't, you can't be following three or four different people at the same time. You can't have three or four masters and lords and saviors. There's going to be one savior, one Lord, one baptism, one Christ. Come on, there, there's just one way. Jesus said, I am the way. I mean, you can't, you can't follow me, he said, and you can't serve God and serve money. You can't do this and you can't do that. You've got to follow me. If you come after me, you've got to follow me. If you come after me, Jesus is saying, I want you to, I love you, but I want you to know something. If you're coming after me, I want you to do, there's, you've got to know, you've got to do some things. You've got to deny yourself, you've got to carry your cross, and you've got to follow me. How many know when you, when you witness to people and you share the gospel, amen, it's not about just coming to church, it's about following Jesus. And you've got you to at some point let them know, listen, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to turn away from selfish living and self, selfish thinking. And you're going to have to turn your whole heart to Jesus Christ. You've got to stop the meism and me worship. Idolatry has got to stop in your life. That's what sin is, is producing sin in your life. But you've got to follow Jesus. He's got to be exclusive. He's got to be the Lord. He's got to, you can't have many gods in your life. You can only have one God in your life, Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's what it is. Jesus said, if you come after me, you, you've got to let me lead. Uh, you're not just going to wander around and run off and run ahead of me. I've got to be the leader. 
That's what Jesus said. I've got to be the leader. And so when he told these people, if you're going to come after me and you're going to follow me, I'm going to have to be your leader. How many know you've got to think about that for a moment, don't you? You've got to think about that for a moment. You've got to, okay, well, I just want to hear what this guy has to say. And now he, now he, was, he, was, you know, he, was, he was performing miracles, and now all of a sudden he's getting a little deep, and he's getting a little personal. He said, come after me. Then he said, deny himself. Anybody, anybody, again, it's open to everybody. But then he said, whoever wants to come after me, everybody who makes their mind up, okay, I want to follow this guy, has to deny himself. You've got to be born again. You've got to, be, you've got to turn from your selfish ways. You've got to disown yourself. You've got to forget and lose sight of yourself. And you've got to lose sight of your own interests and your desires. They've all got to fall by the wayside. It has to be about him. It has to be about his desires and his will and his heart and his teaching. It can't be about you anymore. Aren't you glad that you has to go away? Jesus said, you've got to forget you. You've got to, you've got to leave you at the door if you want to follow me. It's got to be about me now. It can't be about you. It's got to be about me exclusively. It can't be about you and somebody else. Come on in me. It's got to be about me. That's what Jesus said. It's got to be exclusive. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to refuse uh, you know, your, your, your desires that lead you astray from me. You've got to give up certain things. I mean, that's just what it is. He said, basically, you're not in the driver's seat. You're, you're just, you're, you're not, and I've, I've got to move on. But, you know, I, I just want to say this, that the devil can't stop you from coming to Jesus. He can't stop you from living in victory. He can't stop you from doing what's right. But your flesh can your flesh has these desires that, you know what, it still is pulling on me. The world, I still want to do that. I still want to do that. I still have these desires that I'm wrestling with. That's the flesh. It can get you away from victory. It can get you away from discipleship. It can get you away from Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And so this is what happens. And he says this, take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. Every day. Your daily walk determines really your lifelong journey with God. That's what he's saying. It comes down to every day. It's not a one-time deal. It's not one you just punch your ticket or, okay, you get a stamp on your hand or, oh, okay, yeah, yeah I, I knew that guy or another trinket on your bracelet. It's, it's more than that. He's saying that you've got to take up your cross daily. Can I just ask you this question? Where were all the people that followed Jesus at the cross? Where were all the people that sat in the hot sun and listened to the, Mount, uh, 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 the Sermon on the Mount? Where were all those people? Where were all those people that, that just, just packed in that house and wanted to see the miracles? Where were all those people at the cross? Think about it. Where were all those people who said, I'll follow you no matter what? Yeah, yeah. But then when the heat was turned up and the cross came, where were those people? Amen? Come on. Where were those people? Where were all those people that... Jesus said, this is daily. This isn't something you can do once a year. This isn't something you do once in your lifetime. This is daily. This is responding to God's will daily. This is a daily thing. And he said, if you'll endure persecution and suffering and long... I mean, this is what it's all about, is daily taking up your cross. You know something? When Jesus took up his cross, everybody said that they weren't there when Jesus took up his cross. That's why Jesus said it's important to take up your cross. Because, you know, it's, nobody else can do it for you. This is nothing else that you can get. Uh, you know, you can just go and buy an app or you can do this or do that. You have to do it yourself. This is nothing that, that's, all, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe that, you know, I can get to heaven by just showing up at church. Or I believe I can go to heaven if my father was saved or if my grandmother was a Christian. No, this is something you've got to come into yourself. This is a decision that you've got to make 
on a daily basis yourself. Amen. Take up your cross every day. And then he said, follow me. That means cleave to me steadfastly. Conform to me. Conform to wholly to who I am. My example, my living example of who I am. This is what it means. And if needs to be, die for me. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? You know, there's a lot of times before I baptize people in water, you sure you want to do this thing? Yeah, you sure? I mean, you, you're really serious about this. Are you willing to even give up your life for him? I mean, that's a good question to ask somebody, isn't it? And I think that we've got to think about that maybe a little bit more. This may cost you your life. And today, in, in, you know, in Williamsport, we don't realize this. We don't know this. But there's still people by the tens of thousands being persecuted for the name of Jesus. Literally taken out of their homes. Children, women, men taken out of their homes. Killed right in front of their families. Gunned down, knifed down. Today, right now, 2019, right now, are dying for the sake of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was serious when he said, follow me. He's serious about it. And he wants you to just to absolutely be serious about following him. It's following his teachings, obeying his commands. It's, it's teaching other people his ways. It's, it's about leading other people to him and pointing them in the direction of Jesus. It's carrying out his purposes in the earth today. What Jesus started when he came at 30 years old on the earth 2,000 years ago, that work that he started, he wants us to continue that work. That's part of being a disciple. Amen? Hallelujah. And so a lot of people believe that, wow, I have my own ministry. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just going to make up my life as I go. But you know what? No, Jesus wants you to be a part of what he started 2,000 years ago. He wants you to be his disciple. He wants you to come to a place that you're calling him your leader, your teacher, and your master. Amen. Can we stand on our feet today? Amen. Amen.